coming up. Detective Guerra said it's odd that that was even brought up because road rage at that hour, you know, no one, like, if you're in a hurry, why are you in a hurry at that hour? What what would have what would have Huynh and, and Withrow done to really make someone that mad? For Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond. You're listening to The Daily Crime. Twenty years ago today, two young men were driving down Highway 99 in Sacramento County, California. It was late on a Saturday night, and they were one of few cars on the road as they approached their exit. That's when another car drove up alongside them. Madison Wade is once again joining us from ABC 10 in Sacramento to take us through what happened on this Saturday night in 2001. First off, tell me about these two young men, Andrew Withrow and Law Quinn. So Andrew Withrow uh, was a really loved young man in this Sacramento area. Lockwin was a, a newish friend to him, according to his sister I talked to at length. Uh, they didn't really have a long-standing friendship. Andrew actually had other friends he was closer with. Uh, but somehow he was with Lockwin and was driving on Highway 99 in Sacramento incredibly late in the evening, early in the morning, whichever way you want to look at it. And someone pulled up next to them and opened fire. Uh, The bullets uh, hit Andrew, also hit Lockwin. Uh, Locke survived, but Andrew did not. They later crashed their car uh, and it erupted into flames. Um, Andrew did not have a chance. He was he was dead when you know other people arrived. First responders arrived. Lockwin was in a really bad shape too, but he survived. His jaw had to be wired shut for quite some time while he healed. And Lockwin is uh, still alive to this day. Uh, Andrew passed away, and this is you know twenty years ago. So. There weren't any witnesses around. Uh, there were no cameras recording any of this. Um, this is when cell phones did exist. So Locke was able to call 911, but did not report uh, any enemies, you know, anyone following them. It seemed like this was a random drive by shooting, but investigators do, don't believe it is random. You mentioned Wynn was able to call 911. What all is he able to tell dispatchers about what happened? At this point, all he was able to tell them was that someone opened fire and, and shot at them, and then he crashed the car. Um, another, you know, person who was driving nearby was able to help, but Andrew does, did not make it. Uh, the details of what happened are very scarce. We did cover it, but the day ne- the next day, we didn't cover it the night of. It happened super, you know, late, early morning, and... Um, there just aren't very many details, like the 911 call, I wasn't able to get my hands on. So I don't know exactly what was said, but what was told to me by detectives and by family was that someone pulled up next to them and shot at their car as they were driving. As for the investigation then, Lockwin would presumably be the best source of information about what happened. He witnessed the shooting, maybe he even saw the shooter or the vehicle, who knows. But as I understand it, his injuries got in the way of him being able to give a full interview to police. Tell me about that. At the time, 
The detective said Huynh was shot three times and one fractured his jaw. So he could not give a verbal statement to investigators when this happened because his jaw was wired shut. It was a limited interview at that point because he couldn't talk. And uh, the detective told me, you know, because it was a limited interview, because he couldn't physically talk, uh, all you really can do at that point is get a written statement. And Huynh was in really bad shape. He was in the hospital. He was, you know, being treated. Um, he was near death, you know, in terms of what happened to them and the fact right. that they crashed their car and it, you know, erupted into flames. It was a very tense situation that Huynh was in. He survived, but because there was a limited interview, you know, detectives want to ask certain questions. And of course, if Huynh knew something, they would have been able to pick up on on that based on tone, based on social cues, based on all the the normal human behavior you would get from someone that you're interviewing right after a crime has occurred. And so the detectives told me that was a really big hurdle for them and, and might be one of the big reasons why this case is still unsolved 20 years later. And I know you've actually tried to get in touch with Lockwin yourself, but it sounds like haven't had much luck there. No, I called his aunt who owns like a nail salon, hair salon. Uh, the moment I called, she did not seem very uh, happy that I was calling and uh, tried to reach out to him. I found him on Facebook. I've tried to reach out to him several times. I was also told he changed his name, so I could not find him in any public records in terms of an address or a good phone number to use to give him a call. I sent him several messages before the story aired on Facebook, and I've never received a message back. Uh, I was also able to get in touch with another family member who said they would pass along my information and I never, and never heard back. So uh, it is definitely interesting. And especially since this story has aired, it's gotten a lot of attention. And um, we've had a lot of people say, you know, and, and tell me that uh, Huynh most likely knows more and, and hasn't come forward with that information. So uh, detectives, you know, of course, they're the ones that that's their job, right, to, to figure out what other uh, black holes there are in this case. But as of right now, as a journalist, I was only able to interview the sister and, and able to interview the detective who has retired since and is still on the case because, you know, their expertise and whatnot. But um, yeah, this is a an unsolved case for a reason. And not a lot of people wanted to talk um, when this happened. I, I asked if it's possible maybe they were in trouble. Uh, the detectives wouldn't really open up about that. Um, you know, and, and according to Julia, uh, his sister, uh, Andrew's sister, he was a really good guy and was never in trouble, had a lot of friends, was really loved. So I asked her, you know, was he just in the wrong spot at the right time, at the wrong time, right? And and she said, absolutely. She thinks that he was not the intended target here, but because he was in the passenger seat, whoever was driving must have, you know, fired in their direction and hit Andrew. That's what Julia told me, that she does not believe her brother was the intended target. It was an absolute shock. It was so devastating. I blacked out for weeks just in disbelief. Does she know or does anyone else you've spoken with know anything else about Withrow and Wynn's night that night, where they were headed, where they were coming from, anything like that? No, because at the time, Julia was with her mom uh, staying at a different home. And um, Andrew, you know, 20 years old, he was kind of just out and about enjoying, you know, a, a 
kind of early summer evening, right, with friends. Um, someone did reach out to me after the story aired and said that they were at a party prior to this uh, shooting. I don't know if that's the night before or the night of, but someone did tell me that they there were there was a party of some sort. I did eventually tell detectives and connected detectives to that tipster. So um, hopefully that would lead to more information. But as of right now, I am not sure what his day looked like leading up to this shooting. What other leads then, if any at all, that we know of that investigators have to follow up on back in 2001 when they were investigating this? So at the time, of course, uh, you know, they tried to take as much evidence as they could from the scene. The, the evidence they really did have were two bullets taken from Andrew. Those were examined by the crime lab and the results came back inconclusive. So as of this time, they don't have many more pieces of evidence besides those two bullets. Uh, they also, of course, canvassed, canvassed what was in the car, what was on Andrew's possession. Um, some cell phone records were taken, but that's very limited because, again, this was in 2001 and um, a lot has changed since then. So now there's cameras, there's, you know, cars have better systems in terms of what maybe have happened in a crash, but um, no witnesses, no one reported to anyone else driving with a, you know, a gun or, or shooting anyone else. So it, they really are limited in terms of evidence. And so even two decades later, the big question is still, was this random or were Withrow and Wynn targeted? And if they were targeted, why? You mentioned that you spoke to retired Sacramento police detective Rod Guerra about the case. Did he share any thoughts on whether or not he believes they were targeted? Yeah, so so Detective Guerra told me that when they were first talking to Locke, uh, Huynh, uh, the indications were that it was some type of road rage incident. And he, Detective Guerra said it's odd that that was even brought up because road rage at that hour, you know, no one... Like, if you're in a hurry, why are you in a hurry at that hour? What what would have what would have Huynh and, and Withrow done to really make someone that mad? Right. There's there's no traffic late at night. Yeah. So um, it just didn't really add up. And so again, that's really where they believe that Locke knows a lot more, or maybe someone who's close to Locke knows more. There's a possibility they were you know in trouble and and coming forward to police wasn't an option that they thought at the time. Um, so maybe maybe Huynh has more to say, uh, but was scared back then. And, and a lot of other friends who were interviewed and talked to just were not forthcoming with information. Um, and that's why the Withrow family feels robbed, you know, of, of their, their uh, brother, Andrew, their son, because the situation just does not make sense. That's what Julia kept telling me. She's like, I just don't get it. Why my brother? And and why in this way? And she just didn't understand. And she still doesn't understand. And that's why she's hoping, you know, someone will come forward with information because that's truly what's going to help investigators move this forward. If there's no one, you know, coming forward with, with more details about what happened, then it's quite possible this case doesn't get solved. What else did Julia, Andrew's sister, have to tell you about how she remembers her brother all these years later? You know, she she told me that he was 
he was a really good brother. He was uh, like a father figure to her. He loved to break dance. He loved to be funny. He was an athlete. He was um, just really interested in in being a lot of people's friends. He was always someone that could just light up the room. And um, she just really remembers, you know, being with him all the time and that he was just such a rock in her life and very protective of her. And she really misses him for so many reasons, but she just wasn't, you know, aware that he was in trouble or that this would have happened or she would have, you know, spent more time with him before this happened because he was starting to hang out with with close friends, um, with other friends rather. He was hanging out with a new crowd uh, in the recent weeks before he was killed. And so she just thought that was odd, but she didn't really know much more than that. And then on June 1st, he was killed. Well, we'll be hoping that she and the rest of her family do get answers as to what happened to Andrew and why. Madison Wade with ABC 10 in Sacramento. Thanks for sharing the story. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks to you for joining us for another episode of The Daily Crime. As you might have already figured out, we're here daily, five days a week, Monday through Friday. If you're looking for more true crime after that, you can head over to vaultstudios.com for a full list of all of our other shows, including our weekly show, True Crime Chronicles. That'll do it for this one. Until next time, for Vault Studios, I'm Reed Redmond.